0: And now it's time on Flame CCR to take a look behind the studio's green door to find out who is in today's chat room.
1: Midnight, one more night without sleeping. Watching till the morning
2: comes creeping. Green door, what's that secret you're keeping?
0: And now, are you listening? I'm talking to Andrew Harrison. He has a passion for China and to some extent is on a temporary lull in England while a few other things get sorted out that need to be sorted out like COVID virus and uh, what China might perhaps be up to in the coming months. And we could see quite a lot of difficulties associated with that. But I want to put that to one side and to just talk about the Chinese people. And from my own personal interaction with Chinese people, partly through working in England in a multinational team, partly through travelling the world and being involved in different nationalities, including the Far East, They're lovely people Mm -hmm. and I always find it's an advantage in a way because I'm tall and they're usually short. There are some definite exceptions in China. It is not always true to actually say that Chinese people are short. There are some exceptions but uh, yes the Chinese people and you have a heart for reaching them but you've had to learn the right way of communicating with them such that you can achieve God's purposes But God actually leads us to be wise in what we do. And that's an important learning lesson for anybody who goes into teaching in a culture which is different from our own
3: yeah so that brings up an awful lot of stuff really because you have to be on your toes all the time you've got to be careful in every single situation you're in there's the planned way of communicating if you're wanting to get the message of the gospel across or if you're wanting to teach a certain moral issue or to encourage your students to think more independently you have to have well-prepared strategies in place for that. In regard to general conversations on the bus, we used to get a bus for an hour one way and an hour back on the uh, university bus. We could be standing next to anybody, could be a mature student, could be a teacher, could be a, a dean of the university. And all the time you have to be careful. And what we tend to do is go with the flow of something. So a lot of the Chinese teachers would be very open about their gripes about what the government is doing or what's happening in the university or the behaviour of the students. And so if there's anything positive to put into that, you have to be careful how much you say. But if they, for example, have said they're fed up with the corruption, they're fed up that this has happened or that reporting in the media, they always lessen the numbers Like in an accident. You know, if 100 get killed, they, they say it was... 10 or something like that some of these could be very open and just say yeah it's a shame it's better if they're honest about the situation it's much, much better if there's a the truth or you just listen in regard to the gospel that would often come up Sometimes someone might ask you directly, are you a Christian? And you say yes. And then you can go into a bit of detail, but if you think you've gone a bit too far, you just pull back a bit. You've also got to be aware of the people who are sat behind you and in front, because they're always interested to know what the foreigner is talking about. So you have all of these issues uh, to deal with. But in regard to preparing lessons for the students, this is one reason I've got so many books published there. For example, a publisher approached, after I got my novel published there, I was approached by the same publishing department of the university to do some teaching materials in book form. So already I've had four textbooks for the teaching of English published and used in universities at the moment. And within those, we're not only trying to bring in the teaching of Christ, so we've got parables, we've got a psalm, we've got proverbs, we've got various things in there, even extracts from the Bible, from Genesis, that we've got as part of a host of other literature passages that we've got in these books for analysing or for talking about. We also bring moral issues into it. For the moral issues we might just raise a topic to discuss and um, we write in the book you will explain for this task you need to look at this side of the argument and you also need to look at that side of the argument. It could be about money, because Chinese are, in my opinion, obsessed with money and wealth. They like um, proverbs and sayings in English, so money is the root of all evil. So I can bring that up. And on this topic, you need to consider the benefits of money. You also need to consider the pitfalls of money and relying on money too much. And we can highlight uh, topical issues that we know go on in China on what we would consider negative, but they would think of perhaps a positive thing. Uh, we would also have information about the other side of the argument and the dangers of money and reliance on money and worship of money and so on. So we are giving the information from which they would have a debate. Therefore, they're dealing with the topic properly, and then they will consider that money is not as wonderful as everybody thinks it should be. We can also point out that that saying originates from the Bible, so in the information we can give that and say it's been adapted slightly because it's about the love of money, so then you can go into the love of money is wrong. So a lot of Chinese have a love of money. You know, there's a lot of employers who don't pay wages, as they should. They'll say, oh, you did a bad job, therefore I'm not going to pay you and they get away with it because the legal system is not as well established as the Western system is not quite so fair and there are people who can easily manipulate the judicial system. So there's all of these things that we try to bring into our books and into our work material, into our discussion topics in the classroom. But all the time you have to be very careful because you can't directly criticise China. And when we have our book clubs which is using one of my five novels to work through and um, some of them are written in the form of a script so they can do role play to help with the learning of English. So Jesus comes up all the time because he's in the books all the time. But also moral issues and it deals with aspects of corruption in my books deliberately so that when the Chinese bring this up they have a gripe about the corruption that they come across. So we just go with it, and we sympathise with them. And it highlights that this is an issue. We often talk about how to deal with this corruption. For example, this is just sort of a small example, really. There's one of my ex-students who said that he has to give his driving licence to his tutor. And this is a postgraduate student. He has to give it to his tutor because he's had too many faults on his driving licence. So he uses his students' licences in turn. And also he likes to go the wrong way up a one-way street to save time. And I said, you shouldn't do that, you know. If he's breaking the law, he's got to be responsible for that, and it's your licence. And if he breaks the law using your driving licence, that's going to be bad for you. He said, oh, it's my duty, it's my duty. So we try to sort of clear some of these issues up. There's another student that my wife taught in McDonald's, and he would often be talking about issues. I could go on forever about them. But one of them was that he had to contact a certain shop that did lots of fake receipts. Because his tutor would use money inappropriately and he wouldn't have the acceptable receipts for it. So he would send his student to go and get these fake receipts and pay for them and he might get his money back. So story after story after story, this is why I won't mention the name of the university, but all these different stories all the time, constantly. And sometimes the students think it's reasonable behaviour. And sometimes they're personally horrified about it and discouraged about it. And so our duty is not just to love the Chinese, but to actually help them with their life skills. What do they do when they refuse their teacher and then they end up without a PhD? Or a master's? What do they do? How do you deal with that? The Christians are in a dilemma. If you become a Christian and you're already a member of the Communist Party, well, you have to swear to not believing in God uh, to be in the Communist Party. So when you become a Christian, do you then leave the party or do you use it as an opportunity to spread the gospel? So there are different opinions about that. Taxes. You know, it's common for, if you go to a restaurant, they say, oh, we'll make the price cheaper for you and we'll give you this bottle of drink or something so if you turn a blind eye to the fact we're not paying taxes. And Christians are sort of involved in this because it's just so day-to-day, normal stuff. And so it's so easy for Christians to be pulled into this kind of thing. I've lived in
0: the business world for a long time and for a good 20 years I was involved with marketing teams and foreign contracts and to some extent foreign travel and everything that you're talking about in terms of getting the right receipts and so on. I've actually, in a way, disappointed that I haven't actually heard any preachers in England saying anything that related to any of those issues And occasionally I've brought them up at discussion groups and people have looked at me with a surprised expression on their face as to why should we think about things like that? But actually it's important, isn't it? One particular friend who ran a department, he was marched out of the company because a lot of people in his team were doing corrupt things with regards to receipts. And I felt really, really sorry for him, because to some extent, I won't say that he was blameless, but on the other hand, he had very little opportunity to actually stand up and be counted, as it were, because that was the way the system worked. It is not purely in other countries. It's also true in English business practice. There have even been the cases of people taking penalty points on their license rather than somebody else's license. There are a whole lot of moral dilemmas that we as Christians face that sometimes it's difficult to get people to understand and it's certainly very difficult to really talk about it very much. But uh, I've seen and known and had a few discussions with a few people on the subject. I understand what you're talking about. And perhaps it's going to be (coughs) even more prevalent as time goes on I'm not a political person, but the prime minister who has just on his way departing. The whole question about morality is a huge, huge question. And we're going to see more and more and more of those difficulties. And where do Christians stand in it? How do Christians stand?
4: So to the endless voice.
3: I think we have to get back to the Bible. This is my firm belief, and I think while Christians are wishy-washy about what the Bible says, they stop believing it literally. This is just going to lead to disaster, because obviously nobody's going to take the church seriously. I think a lot of the churches are frightened that the world will fall out with them if they don't keep up to date with the latest trends and latest moral beliefs and moral stances and i think the church is saying oh we need to attract people and, and so on what we need to do is believe the word of god and preach the word of God and love everybody. Regardless of where anybody is with their sin or whether they think it's sin or not sin, we still need to give the gospel to them. We still need to love them. But we certainly should not change the Bible to fit into the world. And I think this is where we've got a problem. And I think a lot of Christians have become complacent as well. Especially in business, it must be so tempting to cut the corners, to change the dates and things like this. And it's so easy for them to do dishonest things because it's the expected thing. It's what everybody does. But as Christians, we've got to really stand. We've got to stand on the Bible, on the word of God. It's like we're throwing it away sometimes. When I was first a Christian, there were obviously people who called themselves Christians who were just nice people. And they had a vague belief in God and they had a vague connection with church. And I understood that then. I knew there was a difference. You know, you love Jesus, 100%. You're on fire for God. You love Jesus. You're a Christian. You're truly saved. But there's always going to be those who believe the Christians just because they're nice. And I think this nice Christian thing has increased in recent times. It's been quite a shock for me in the last two and a half years to see that Christians are just fitting into the world's value system instead of getting into the Word of God and believing it and understanding it and living it. And I think we need to get back to the Word of God.
0: Yes, I would agree. And I suppose as somebody running a Christian organisation, which is a registered charity and a registered company and is accountable to government department for our formality of what we actually do. And that's quite a large thing. To actually do everything completely right is a challenge. I know a number of corners that we could cut. But on the other hand, at the end of a day, I sort of think, well, before God, am I comfortable with the way in which we do things? And to be honest, there are things that I am not particularly comfortable with. I do have a conscience and I do consciously think my way through what is right and what is wrong. I love the Old Testament plumb line analogy. We hold a plumb line up like a builder would to see if something is straight and correct and so on. And we as Christians should hold the gospel plumb line up very, very firmly and be bold enough to actually say it ain't quite in line. Not that there's a tolerance that allows it to be 10% out and that's quite all right. We, We should seek to have things completely in line and try to achieve perfection Going back to Elim and good old youth leader days, the Elim Crusader motto was God's best for us and our best for God. And that's not a bad thing to have as a day-by-day mandate. We expect God's best for us. Yes, of course we do. And God, in his loving way, gives it to us. But our best for God is a challenge. Each day, do we actually achieve our best for God? Are we doing the best we can in what we're chatting about, Andrew? So, yes, what you say with regards
3: to your experiences overseas is also true at home. Mm Mm-hmm. I was preaching in a church on one of my visits back to England and um, when I was preparing this sermon I actually went to the cinema shortly before I did the sermon and I forget the name of the film but it was to do with the slave trade and so basically corruption in the western world and, and various things that we've done wrong and I ended up preaching from a chapter in James which is basically a rebuke to Christians who were not living, correct? Exactly they're not praying with the right motives they're backbiting and the sermon came across as quite negative but I was actually saying yeah I come from China and there's this corruption and even monitors of a class might withhold money that they shouldn't be withholding and you know I can talk about corruption in China but actually I want to talk about the corruption in England I went through this passage in James and about how there's hypocrisy how there's backbiting false accusations and really later on and I wasn't having a go at the church but I was saying we as a church are responsible to be better than what is going on in the world and we should not be hypocrites and we should be living right and also as a nation England or even the UK needs to be better because we're very hypocritical perhaps in China it's more obvious the corruption that goes there and everybody can see it clearly even though it's done behind closed doors everybody knows it's happening in England we're very clever and we hide the way that we do it So obviously this was quite powerful and it wasn't the usual and one of the elders at the end took me aside and said it wasn't quite what I was expecting. I'd like to think that in the church we are different and so on and while he was talking to me and correcting the content of my sermon one of the church members walked past and said oh thank you so much I'm just so glad the truth at last and then the elder said, oh, I didn't know you felt that way. And I felt quite embarrassed in the middle here. I was accepting this bit of a correction, but actually thinking I don't regret anything I said because I think it's true. It might be uncomfortable. And of course, as a member of the congregation, at least one, who was just so relieved that reality was presented. Yeah, this is true. We are hypocritical. We need to put it Right. Yes,
0: we do. Who can minister in the house of the Lord? He who has a clean hands and a pure heart. And we need to look at ourselves. I find it frightening in terms of broadcasting, because we say things on air, but there's a requirement for us in our own lives to be correct. And that is a real challenge. We say things to other people, but for everything we say to other people, we say to ourselves... Yes, we took your situations of talking about, I suppose really is lifestyle, isn't it? Talking about lifestyle and how lifestyle is applicable in China and you have the opportunity to talk about that subject and to put God into it. Yes, we also need to fly it back home as well. sous The tack that we haven't actually picked up Mm. is to go straight into the eschatological, Mm. what the Bible says about the second coming. Yeah,
3: there's so much I could say.
0: I think there's more that we can talk about with regards to the second coming. Some people would argue, well, we just don't know what's going to happen, so we've just got to plod along. I was thinking this morning... I'm a chartered engineer and the institution of Electronics that gives the chartered engineer status you know, mm. produce their own house magazine. And around about November of 2019, the house magazine that you get by post and normally goes in the bin
1: mm-hmm.
0: had on the cover the end of the world And at the bottom of it, it was a countdown of the 15 likely things that will bring the end of the world. Now, why they'd done that in that magazine, which was absolutely secular, Hmm. not a Christian connection in any way, I have no ideas. But I decided that there were some interesting pages in there that I would actually read. And the result of it was that I did two programmes on air, 60 minutes long, going down this countdown of what they actually did. Yes it was aliens from outer space It was monsters rising up from the Mm -hmm. deep
1: Mm.
0: Yes it was a fair number of the trivial things that get into the movies and so on Mm. But there were words to go with it that I could actually use And it made an interesting programme doing it as a countdown And when it got to number two it was Pandemic And they had a lot more information on Mm. So I started reading on the Pandemic So actually, when January of 2020 came along... There's this outbreak of these weird things and these people are brought to Arrow Park Hospital for quarantine. What on earth is all of this? I felt to some extent that the topic of pandemic wasn't strange to me because I'd read lots of bits Hmm. about it. The World Health Organization and the economic collapse that would ensue from it. It was, to me, as an engineer, interesting stuff. So I included all of that in my one-hour programme, actually became two hours, and it had climate change in, I think was number three, and number one was cyber warfare, and they majored on cyber warfare. Mm. Now that's not actually a subject that has got to the forefront at the moment. Mm. But I do have my worries and fears, and I know a little bit about electromagnetic pulses and various bits that can upset the whole of the world, communications and the threats, Hmm. which aren't really mentioned all that much, but there are cyber attacks, and I think there are probably a lot of people in government who know and understand a lot more about it than actually gets into
3: the press. Being sort of literal towards the script, which is we've got we've got the 666 code the mark of the beast which obviously can be implanted chips or whatever because yes, yeah. you can't buy and sell anything if you don't have this mark. Yeah. So of course we come into digital payments yes. here and it might not be referring to that but it, it just looks like it. Yes. M- may well be and then you also have the statue or the replica of the Antichrist that's made and it comes to life and i would say it's demonically controlled but it could also be computerized it could be a monitoring system it could be all kinds of yeah technological things so we, i think we have the technology there and i think obviously we are going to be swamped in technology and the governments know what everybody's doing they have yes. all the information and this is happening all over the world and very much yeah. in china
0: yeah so i went down through this and i thought well okay i'll be christian It was a secularist but it would give me the opportunity to actually say we've got to number one but that's mm. not the end there's number naught which mm. is what is really going to be the end Mm. of the world. So I then put in a chunk that I got from a few friends about Mm. the second coming of the Lord as being the most likely reason for the end of the world. It's the Mm. second coming of the Lord. All these other things will happen, be nasty, Mm. but they won't actually bring the end of the world. Mm. The second coming of the Lord will actually bring the end of the world in the new millennium. So I did this actual programme, and as I say, I got it on air during January of 2020, hmm. before the that pandemic actually came out. <laughs> and I just thought, "Oh Lord, why did you actually lead me down that line? Why did the topic get put in that magazine? It enabled me to introduce the, the yeah. second coming as a topic, which I sort of feel we have a responsibility to do hmm. so, making people aware. And uh, I thought having gone through the pandemic sometime i'm going to revisit okay and here's some information about what really happened during a pandemic it might not be the only one that we ever have but it was certainly a good two years sample of what a pandemic Mm -hmm. actually is and what the consequences are and there's still a lot of consequences in terms of mental health and economics huge amount we do have a responsibility of making people aware what is going to happen
5: This moment would stay with the earth, some prime, paradise. paradise, but there you go again, saying everything ends, saying you. Or stand here and spend it with me if we had a fight.
3: The first point I think that would be good to get across is that as Christians, we're waiting for Jesus to come back. The angels said at the ascension, in the same way you've seen him go, he's going to come back again. Yes. And this is what we're all waiting for, and there's lots of scriptures saying, awaiting his appearing or hastening his appearing. So we're all waiting for the second coming, and I think some scholars, I think, have got it wrong, and they forget that that's the key point that there is a time in the future when Christians will be on earth and the non-Christians on earth will see Jesus coming again. Whether he stands on the earth at that time or not, or whether it's just you see him and then you go up in the rapture. That is what we're looking for and that is what will happen. And I think the differences of opinion are what is the build-up to it and what is the consequences of it. And so my second novel goes into the consequences of that for the non-Christians and for the Jewish nation. So the blessing and the happiness is with Jesus, but we're not told much about that, but we are told about the stuff that will happen on the earth afterwards. And by definition,
0: the blessing and the happiness is with Jesus, hmm. and Jesus takes that out of the world. Yeah. So therefore, out of the world goes all of the Christian
3: influence. Yeah, the anointing, the Christian history. help, mm.
0: the anointing. But God removes all of that, mm. and by definition, what you are left with must be a fairly bitter, unhappy, unpleasant mm. mix, was not it?
3: A hell-like earth, but not hell, but hell-like.
0: Yeah and to some extent you would tend to say to people definitely to be avoided don't get on that route do everything you possibly can to make sure you're on the happy route and sign up and join the gospel train for heaven nasty things are going to happen but make sure you're on the right side
3: mm-hmm. because that's the gospel that's the main thing we've got to be prepared that's the crux of the whole thing and yes. in a culmination of all things i made that clear at the beginning above all things that is what we should be prepared that's the key purpose of understanding about eschatology yes the rest of it is just exciting to me and really interesting and even understanding hell because we simplify this and we think you now things have changed it was called Sheol before but it wasn't quite the same from the time of jesus onwards hell is a place of fire where you go if you're not a christian it's yes. very clear and plain but then we talk about the lake of fire. That's in Revelation. And it says Hades, death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire. Well, Hades can mean hell. It's often used to mean hell. So the lake of fire becomes the hell. It's like uh, another adaption, another change to it. It's still eternal fire, yeah, but it's like a different place, a different significance, a different location after the last judgment. And mm. that chronology and understanding is very clear from Revelation. No reason just to symbolise it and say, oh, it just means hell. Or that the last judgement is just when you die and go to heaven, Jesus will give you a pat on the back or something and that's it because there's no condemnation for you. There's a set chronology and some of it is very clearly laid out for us. Some of it is more vague and we don't quite know where to put it. But there are very neat slots to put things Mm-hmm. if you look for them. yeah. So there's some things that we know for absolute sure this is going to happen, and in this order. We don't always know what the content means exactly, but we have a rough idea. And then there's the other passages that we can conveniently slot into areas where they might fit. And when you do that, it's really interesting to see it laid out. And uh-huh.
0: OK, I'll go along with you. You're stretching me down lines that uh, I'm interested in.
2: We'd all been ready Two men walking up. I'm
4: shepherd I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still
3: We've
0: closed the chat room door, but please tune in next time to Flame CCR on 1521 Medium Wave for more from Green Door Studios chat room. Green Door!